Hello, and you're listening to The Seventh Reel. This week, a very special episode, just one film, Blonde, a 2022 film directed by Andrew Dominic. I was the one responsible for picking this because this has been probably the most contra- one of the most controversial films to come out this year. Um, every, uh, let's discuss. What do you guys think? I don't like it. <laughs> I, Why don't I, you like it? For several reasons. Like so okay. actually so many reasons. Like just everything about it. I hate it. I just don't like the casting. I don't like the way it's presenting someone. I don't like these types of biographies. I don't like that it's like one long misery porn take of just being like oh look at this poor poor woman and it's just not even done well it's not like ugh, it's so it's so annoying it makes you just hate these types of movies now i can get why people are all like oh these liberals with their liberal movies <laughs> that sort of thing <laughs> i get it makes you into a boomer <laughs> yeah it just it makes it makes me angry it's just the acting is so bad. It's so bad on so many levels. Everyone's I she terrible. Was okay. She's awful. <laughs> I can't believe she's speaking in a Spanish accent, like straight up. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. I. I'm just confused as to how this movie was even like considered. Like someone saw this and was like, "Yeah, let's put this out. This isn't embarrassing for everyone involved." I'm sorry. I hate this movie. <laughs> no worries. Ten I years hate in the making. I had to hear her call everyone daddy and, and her <laughs> lover's daddy. And that was supposed to be like subtle somehow. I, I don't I don't get this. <laughs> I this was, it was supposed to be subtle. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, you should try to exercise some subtlety. I mean, the movie is just uh, like hammering you on the head with its message and being like, this is artsy no it's not it's just it's like someone wrote a sentence being like this woman was abused now this is a movie what there's no nuance to it i hated it i thought it was mm-hmm. dumb stupid movie does it, it doesn't even look I like her she's too skinny I think it does. in certain shots she looks a lot like her but when it, yeah um, yeah, when her originally back Naomi Watts was considered the camera. to be was casted, <laughs> and I think she would have worked out a lot better. Um, they went with Naomi Watts, but I guess she was too old by the time yeah. like, she got around to making it. But she, she would have killed it. I think out. she would have done a much better job. Um, they were going to go with Jessica Chastain. She would have been worse. <laughs> that would have been even worse if they actually went with her. I don't um, know. I I I think no matter what you do, you can't get the casting right like remember that mm-hmm. movie that came out a couple of years ago with michelle williams yes my week in maryland yeah that that one and she was like decent at it but it's like one of those things where when they did that bob dylan movie and they were like oh we'll just cast a bunch of actors as him mm-hmm. and uh it still doesn't work I, I just think there are certain personalities that you can't really i don't know eclipse any sort of you know mm-hmm. ability to portray them on screen like you have to get like the daniel day lewis who happened to look like lincoln version of this you know what i mean mm-hmm. like 
Like you have to have someone so talented, but also just uncannily look like the person. I I don't know. Because was I guess with these like characters such as Marilyn, it's hard to disappear into them because they are so iconic, right? But I feel like the yeah. movie treats her more as this is more as a concept rather than and as a, just as individual, because I. Um, well, you've seen Killing Them Softly, right? Mm-hmm. I feel like it's it has that same sort of anger towards um, this uh, the American fantasy, right? The American dreams, and I think it's quite some also quite similar to you privy the film you made before that, the assassination assassination Jesse James, where it's all about breaking down the myth of this person and how this and he is obviously a very cynical person and he has held very cynical views towards American society, American pop culture. And boy, does that really show its ugly face for your ugly head in this one. Michelle, what did you think? I know you have a lot of mm, Well, just on the back of what you said, so in um, the, I think it was a BFI interview, Andrew Dominic said that the Marilyn in this film is she's supposedly trapped in our memory of her and she's trying to break out of it in the film. But... So before I read anything about Andrew Dominic, I sort of like this. It's got a lot of problems that I'll go into later. <laughs> but um, I thought it was trying to show her as the idea of fame rather than her as a real person. Because like everything is just based on images of her. Like they don't go into mm. detail about who the people are. They just trust you that you know. Like, but the problem with it being about the idea of fame, you're putting it on a real woman who was treated like shit and had not a great life, but you're just highlighting the fact. And then how he talks about her in the interviews is with so much anger. I genuinely think he hates her. Like, and this was his way of like torture porn, revenge kind of thing that she did this to herself. And we're going to see why. And, like, he literally says, he says that, like, it's not really about her. It's, he, it's about an unloved child. And he's like, and I relate to that. So it's basically just for him, but he's just projecting his own childhood issues onto a very famous person. Yeah, then why not just name her, like, uh, uh, Jackie Famous Person and just make Literally. a movie about that? It just... yeah. I don't get why this had to be about Marilyn Monroe at all. Because he did that with all the other characters, right? And I think in the books as well, they never mentioned Arthur Miller by name. He's the screenwriter. And they never mentioned Joe DiMaggio by name. He's the ex-athlete. So oh, I think yeah. there's already this sense of like disassociation from like trying to separate that. And these are just concepts and ideas and icons. Which um, would so work. Silly. <laughs> the the ex-athlete said, let's go out to dinner. <laughs> Then the ex athlete walked. Do you recognize the, that actor? Yeah, he's, yeah, uh, yeah. Yeah, he's so yeah, like, he, it's so funny to watch him not play a gangster, but then he ends up kind of doing <laughs> that anyways. I was like, oh, just, I guess he's here for a reason. But I really, really, really despise the stuff with the fetuses. <laughs> like that There's was so much so it. unnecessary and like. It's so clear that this came from a man who has never had to consider the fact that, you know, 
abortion is illegal in a lot of places in America right now, and that clearly doesn't affect him, that he wouldn't consider how dangerous and toxic images like this are, because the, the exact images that are used by anti-abortion groups. In the last chapter, my dissertation was entirely about this, so <laughs> I know a lot about it, and it's just so dangerous and so unnecessary. Like, if a pregnant person who didn't want the ba- the fetus, it's not a baby, mm. watches this, they could have we'll a very different see. experience of their pregnancy. Mm. They could not have an abortion because of it, which is incredibly dangerous. And he doesn't give a shit. And it's so clear in his interviews. He does not care about women. He's an incredibly misogynistic person. And I was, I was going to be like, I kind of understand what he was doing, but he could have done it better into this and then I read about him mm. and he's awful so now I don't <laughs> I'm kind of completely against yeah <laughs> I don't know but you can kind of separate that like uh, not to just shoehorn this in but Jonathan Franzen for example is like a great mm. example of that who's an author I really love reading his books but then every interview it's just insufferable it's like he said what why no don't don't do that <laughs> so so i i just i get what you mean but i think you can sort of like what 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 did you enjoy about it what what kind of felt uh before you read all the stuff what 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 are some of its merits because i know arvin probably liked how miserable it was <laughs> i like the filmmaking i like it from like yeah. very te- i don't want to say just a technical perspective but i like how many how he really wanted this is a it's the filmmaker, right? And he it really gave like it his musical. all. And ma- that's what I... Yes. I, I okay, you know what? That's probably why I'm walking over here a lot of times. <laughs> what did you... Yeah, but, what, but before yeah. then, Michelle, what did you enjoy? Um, well, it's like... Because everything is based on, like, photographs mm. of her, like, famous images. Like, if you just look up mm. images of her, every single shot in the scene will come from pictures. And, like, there's a kind of distance in that she's trapped in this idea of the previous images, which is interesting because, yeah. like, she, you don't really know, but he just is just like, well, we could never really know, so what can you do? But, like, ex- I don't know where I was going with that, but I no, just quite but, like yeah, that I... distinction. And, because um, yeah. there's, like, there's a scene in it where she's like, conversations they just go on and on like it's not like a movie script where it just ends they just keep going and it's like it's like marilyn isn't real which i think is something she struggled with in real life like who she was Mm -hmm. when she's between these two identities and like it's sort of showing that marilyn is so constructed and there's a bit where she's like got a conjurer up now which is love that scene (laughs) a bit cheesy but i don't know i think that's sort of sort of interesting, but it could have just yeah. been done a lot better if it was done by a woman who like yeah. showed that she is an interesting and complicated person who had stuff going on and she wasn't just this sex symbol. What are you talking about? Of course she's interesting. She's Red Chekhov. Is that not? <laughs> I love how that's like yeah, the one thing they give the, her is that she's well yeah. read. But the whole film is about her against men. Mm-hmm. Like, there's nothing about women. Like, in the Gentleman Prefer Blonde, she actually developed a, quite a good friendship with Jane Russell during that film. Not interested. He, literally, in this interview, he's like, she, but she had female friends. 
And he's like, yeah, I don't think she did. And the book doesn't do that either. So I'm just going to go with she didn't. And, he's, and the, the person who is interviewing him was like a talking head on a new Marilyn Monroe documentary, like trying to frame her in a feminist perspective. And he's just like, yeah, no, she didn't. <laughs> it's like, it's the, yeah. portrait of the narrative that he's trying to construct a vision. Yeah, the myth that he's trying to make. It's more about him. He's like projecting himself on her. And it's just weird. Yeah. Well, I think like, it is all about him, but at the same time, he casts a lot of doubt. Like, it is constant, like, the way he portrays the, the men in the film are, like, you know, by the, by the third act, they are literally monsters, right? The way he distorts their faces. When she, last time you see Adrian Brody, his face is literally a blur. This is when, like, kind of Lynchian stuff kind of kicks in. I re- that's what I really liked. When it becomes mm-hmm. like a horror show, she, she is this glorified circus animal. And she can't escape that. Wherever she goes, like these Fine. men veering at her. Do that, do that, but make it into a you know a story. Then yeah. I'll, is, I'll yeah. respect your movie. I don't want to watch yeah. just a long, long Vimeo montage. <laughs> That's really well done, but yeah. it's still like just there's no sense to it. It just felt like she was just getting slapped around for three hours. That's what I I felt. I don't know. Yeah. Should we talk about the JFK scene? Yeah, I mean, what's too ridiculous? That's the crazy. Well, that's why it got she like. She did allegedly. NC-17. That's I guess that's why got the NC seventeen rating. Um, she, she did allegedly have an affair of sorts with Kennedy. Yeah, but if it happened, everyone who knew about it said it was completely consensual. Yeah. But is it consensual when it's with the most powerful man in the world? That's, I think that's kind of what bit, what's being called into question here, right? Like the way so she's being handled, like. It's just gossipy stuff. Like I don't know. I wouldn't. I would like to know more about like, just her life. <laughs> like yeah. I don't know. Sort of. It's not. Like, it's not just like a highlights of what happened to Marilyn Monroe. A highlight view of misery. Yeah. Because yeah. it feels like. This, this version of Marilyn is entirely constructed by gossip and mm-hmm. that's sort of what they're trying to create that's the point though yeah but she, there is the whole point that she is a real person and you're not getting any of it like mm-hmm. there's the, a lot of people say that well she was completely silenced in her life and then now she's being silenced again in a new biopic have you heard about her grave wait what about her grave so, cause you know, in like LA, they have like them stacked graves in the walls. Right. So she's in one of them, and then I mm. think Joe DiMaggio had the grave above her, um, no. which he sold to some big banker, and um, so th- he bought it, and then he was buried in it, and he specifically told his wife that he he wants to be buried face down on top of Marilyn. So even in death, she can't be respected. Even in a grave, uh, she can't be respected. That's she so has a man on top of her. Do you, do you think he considered that putting into the movie and he's, thought, oh, maybe that's a little too heavy-handed? That, that man's considered... Yeah. People call him the happiest man in death or something. Oh, uh, okay. That's, that's very gross. Death with a smile or something. Disgusting. Uh, ironically enough, the... The actor that captured me the most in this was Adrian Brody as Arthur Miller. I thought he was very, very good. Uh, mm-hmm. That sequence when he kind of when she explains the character back to him and he like just doesn't he at first 
uh, doesn't take her seriously, and then like the epiphany hits him, the interpretation of his character, and he's like, oh my god, and and he got he got he, he was so shocked and so haunted by it. It comes across very beautifully, and then you realize like after that, beyond that, he has um, the way he appropriates her, uh, her when they like he's like don't write about me, and he does that. Um, did he though? Did he write about her? I'm not sure. I don't know. Maybe he did. Yeah, I think he did. It's just another form of control. I remember what podcast I was listening to, but they talked about this, that the movie, uh, I think he was writing a movie for her, and she was like, oh, this is just us. And he was like, yeah, yeah, it's fine. (laughs) Yeah, it's fine. Don't worry about it. It's all good. Completely understand all the criticisms leveled at this movie. Um, At the same time, I think it's very, I wouldn't say brave. It's not brave. But, uh, <laughs> it's uncompromising. He's it's a big swing. It's a big swing, and he made the movie yeah. he wanted to make, and I, I respect that. that. And he put in his, he poured his heart into it. There's so many cool, there's so much cool shit going on. Um, by the that night vision sequence with her wandering the house and becomes like a cross between. Um, a David Lynch movie and a Blair Witch Project. I thought that was so cool. Um, the way it lends her sex life into the films. I think what it would have been cool is if you sort of blended like three or four stars from the time. So like mm-hmm. you blend her life, Audrey Hepburn's, like oh. Jane Russell, something like that. And it's got aspects of all of their mm. life and they're blurred together <clears throat> so that the real person isn't trapped in mm-hmm. it and you're not seeing them because it's all of them and you can't capture that. And mm-hmm. if you explore the idea of fame with multiple people, I think that would be much more interesting. Than yeah. It's one person who then has to suffer because no one knows anything about her now. She's just completely mistreated like she was in life. Mm. It can be more about the theme instead of just this yeah. one person. Yeah. He really shouldn't have written it. I think that's the main mistake. No. He could have still directed it, but he... He said he wrote it really quickly and then barely changed anything. <laughs> oh, that makes so much sense. I bet he doesn't even write most of the dialogue. Oh. It's, oh. There's no dialogue. It's all there just, is no dialogue. Are you happy it's just with me, daddy? Spanish. He's just saying things. Spanish. It doesn't help that Ana de Armas... Uh, during the press store starts saying crazy fucking shit about how oh, Marilyn's yeah. ghost is haunting the set. <laughs> yeah, and, and she went to her grave to get permission to like play the role. Like, stop, don't <laughs> And this is what she turns in. How is this consensual? How can she consent to her doing the role? <laughs> At a grave. Um, it's so funny. I mean, I don't know. I guess it did its job in a way that it got people talking about her and how she was treated but I, I don't I don't see myself ever watching this ever again what did you guys what was the point of the chaplain's son stuff and the father stuff that was letters? so unnecessary let me clear this up right okay. yeah yeah so oh chaplain his expert. Son, yeah. yeah so his son knew knew Marin and I think did send her letters not the messed up like father letters but I think mm. he did send it in pretend there's a rumor that she was sleeping with him for a bit and then 
he caught her in bed with his brother Sydney, which no idea if that happened. And then she did know the other guy, Edward G. Robinson, was it? Mm-hmm. Um, she knew them him as well, and I don't know if they had a relationship or anything, but they knew each other at separate times, so there's no way in hell that this threesome actually happened. And also, Chaplin's son died from a blood clot, so... He didn't die, but... But this idea of like, I think the reason why they're in a movie is also to explore the idea because she is allegedly, and he's proven like the son, the daughter of a, an actor, yeah. a Hollywood actor. I think. And that's real. If you Google like the actor's name, like and the Porta shows shows up, it's like they, they recreate that perfectly in, in the film. Um, yeah, Griffith someone. And it's all the idea of inheriting legacy. So like the Tra- Chaplin mm-hmm. Sons character is like, oh, we know who we are before we were even born. I think mm-hmm. that he's that is supposed that to tie into cool. the Venus stuff somehow. I like um, that. I, yeah, I, I gotta say, I really, really thought that was cool. That was um, only moment. And that, that like, makes wow. sense why they were attracted to each other. But I think the it's it kind of goes back into the idea of men constantly trying to assert dominance over her. So the way he it's like, okay, I can't have you sexually, so I will instead like psychologically dominate you by doing by using those letters. Mm-hmm. Um, because everybody, they all know she desperately needs this. And in one, it's very cruel, but I think the film also makes like the, the point that this is kind of what gets her, like motivates her at the same time, is that she might find that father figure through like. Yeah, I mean, yeah. A, there's a lot of stories that she was probably like asexual. She didn't enjoy sex and that was a lot of issues in her marriages. And yet mm. she was like the biggest sex symbol like mm. ever this is such an irony in that but yeah stuff like that would have been cool to explore instead of mm. just having her be like I love this man but he treats me like shit <laughs> that's, that's all <laughs> three hours of they should have redubbed her they should have yeah. completely redubbed her and I don't think anybody would have noticed except maybe Ana de Armas who probably would get very upset but it's would have made the movie work a little better because give she, it given it to a american instead of <laughs> giving the jobs to darn mexico <laughs> she's cuban cuban no? yeah she's, she's cuban yeah well, which makes the jfk stuff even funnier in my opinion um yeah she stole a job from an american <laughs> A literal it's so tough. And, and <laughs> directed by an Australian. Mm. He's Australian? No yeah, way. he's Australian. Okay, um, well. Because I felt like this feels so thematically similar to Killing Them Softly. This idea of yeah, but this killing disillusion. Them softly was good. Yeah, then again, like I had a story and I had like a central drive. And it, it yeah. This was too loose and probably needed a second draft or a different writer other than him that's what happens with these netflix movies they either go like full-on tv movie mode or they just let them go nuts and it's like there's there's no balance to it well scorsese reigned himself in pretty well for the irishman so pretty watchable Uh, around the fourth hour (laughs) oh yeah Uh, but it was yeah, decent, it was yeah. <laughs> He's good at his job, but still, it's, 
someone cut an hour out of that. All right, shall we take a break? Yeah, let's do it. Seven reels. We can only give a seven out of seven now. Um, Two. Two. <laughs> yeah. Okay. All right. Um, <laughs> I I appreciate the filmmaking. I gotta say, there's still some parts I really really like. So I would say I'll give it a three and a half for you. Um, mm. All of your criticisms that you guys leveled are are true. I can't. I don't really have anything like to retort yeah. against that. But yeah, I. That's yeah. That's about it. Three and a half reels. Okay, let's move on to uh, what we've watched this week. You said what have you watched this week? So what I've watched this week, I watched the movie Bullet Train, an another oh. Plan B production. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, we wrapped. Oh yeah. yeah. What did you think? I thought it was like if John Wick was written by someone who thought they could be funny, who was like, comedy's easy. I can do this and. That's what it was. Or if John Wick... Would it not surprise you that it's by the same guy who did Deadpool 2? And also oh, no. one half the John Wick. All right. Yeah, then it doesn't surprise me at all. Yeah. It felt right. Yeah. It Like, that's the skill set. Yeah. But, you know, <laughs> that being said, it's not a bad movie to scroll through Instagram while it plays mm-hmm. in the background, too. <laughs> okay. But, but, you know... It's competent. Yeah, it's fun at times, but it's so, I mean, oh my god, it's a mess. Like, 500 Mm -hmm. things have to happen, and then they're going back in flashbacks and being like, actually, thing number 300 was because of this weird uh, snake (laughs) thing that this lady had. And I was like, okay, fine. And it's just, the action scenes are fun. They're really well made. Mm -hmm. Clearly, like, someone who's good at, moving action scenes but it needed to be like just have have like more of a you know what what are, what are those guys that they they sit and they type the words and they make the thing <laughs> into a thing those guys he needed one of them uh. to fix some of them <laughs> cuz i just feel like a lot of people take writing for granted now <laughs> It's like, oh, it's easy. Anyone can just throw in a couple of jokes. I think I, I blame the MCU for doing so. Yeah, the, the jokes are exactly that. That's an excellent uh, point. Did that just happen? Yeah, it's all that. Just... It's all that. It's like, oh, I'm, uh, they're going to whack that guy. Did you just use the word whack? Oh, yeah, I'm trying to bring whack back. It's all like jokes like that where it's like, oh, my oh. God. I could write this. That sounds disgusting. Yeah, it's all stupid. That's I think that's the baseline. It's like, oh, if it's something that like, you can come up with in like a minute. Yeah, it's like, it's like how filler. How does this make it to screen? Like this went through multiple hands. You have Brad um, Pitt with you, on set. Take a couple of swings at the joke. Don't just, you know, I don't know, whatever. I heard there's like a billion cameos in this. Yeah, they're all pointless. They're all like really dumb. Uh, you have to be an idiot to like it. <laughs> Sorry. Like seeing Ryan Reynolds being in this movie. It's like, okay, fine. <laughs> what else? Right. That's, um, that's the well, face I've seen what, in other places. <laughs> that's interesting. <laughs> that's how dumb you have to be. <laughs> to get any enjoyment out of that. But anyways. 
it was it was not a bad time <laughs> not a bad time either way <laughs> like three and a half stars three stars yeah. well we saw a film yesterday it was excellent loved it it's called tar starring Ooh, clay blanchett I've heard good things. very it's started by todd field it's his first film in like 15 years I haven't seen like what's his little children is that what his last one's called i now i'm very interested in watching it because this is excellent Mm-hmm. very inside baseball the first hour or so feels will completely alienate anyone who isn't familiar with classical music or who isn't interested in classical oh, music like hasn't learned it. or who hasn't learned it more importantly yeah. who hasn't learned it because it's the dialogue is completely uncompromising and like these guys these are pretentious music snobs talking about music uh, classical music mm-hmm. but also it's they talk about a lot of names that mm-hmm. you even like if you know him well, you, I don't know if you know about him, but I think it's tr- it's trying to alienate you a bit. Yes, and it's done intentionally. Mm. Uh, and then the second half of the film kind of breaks it all down and strips it all back, and it becomes kind of a thriller. And then it has one of the funniest last shots ever. The ending was amazing. Completely caught me off guard. Beautifully, beautifully shot. Beautifully, one of the most excellent examples of sound design in, in cinemas because it works so well in the theater with like the sound system and the way like they play around with, with sound um Kate Blanchett amazing so good it's just like one of them films you just enjoy being in until like the last half an hour when everything's falling apart because mm. uh, it's, yeah. it's, so it's, it's a like me too you. story but it is very long it is very long. It's like two and a half hours and forty minutes. It is the one of the better examples of like tackling like the, this weird living in the Me Too era and a film that it's doesn't. Kind of a spoiler. Talk, eh, it doesn't talk down to its audience about the subject matter. It doesn't skirt around the bush and kind of deals with it in a very interesting in a, in a pretty pretty interesting way. And we highly recommend it. It's really really good. <laughs> Go watch it. Nice. Michelle, do you have, is, there, is there anything else we watched it? I don't think so. I don't think so. We watched the Midnight Club show on Netflix. It's John Hughes by way of uh, Stephen King. It's okay. It's A little quite too slow. Tweet. It's quite slow. That's the problem with Netflix. Like they, they always insist on making things 10 episodes long, regardless of whether the story warrants it or not. And it drags. And oh, it, it's always a detriment. Mm. All right. That brings us to our recommendations. What are our recommendations? What would you guys recommend instead of Blonde? I'm going to recommend a movie on Netflix called Luckiest Girl Alive. It's, uh... The one with Mila Kunis? Yeah. Is that the one? That yeah. Is it good? It's arguably better than Blonde. <laughs> Whoa! <laughs> I would say so. It's kind of interesting because it's got these two things going on where it's like a Me Too story, but it's also a school shooter story. And it weaves through them pretty, like, I don't know, in a way that surprised me. I was, I really started this movie just to be like, oh, look at how, like, probably dumb this is going to be. And it it actually does a good job of, I don't know, telling the story without it being completely cringy. I don't know. I, I, I thought it was decent, to be honest. I would recommend okay. it. Yeah. We're going to give it a go. Mm-hmm. We'll let you know. It's clumsy at times, okay? I just don't like think like that I... 
don't oh. know, <laughs> but there are certain elements to it where it's it's r- ridiculous, and but it, mm-hmm. it's part of its charm, I think. Anyways, yeah. Cool. My recommendation is David Lynch's Twin Peaks: Fire Walk with Me, the movie version, the movie sequel slash prequel about Laura Palmer. There are a lot of parallels with this and Blonde, if you want. and it's also a film about a woman in in a complete downward spiral, and the way like she's controlled by the men around her, her father, her boyfriends, and it has that same sort of dreamy narrative aesthetic and link and, and language that Blonde applies, but arguably this has much more of a story, and you end up caring about the central character a whole lot more because. Know if you've seen the TV show, so yeah, that would be my recommendation, Michelle. I think I recommended this before, but the end of the tour. <laughs> nice. Okay. Well, it's like it's a biopic, but it's just about a very small period of his life, discussing what it's like to get famous mm-hmm. after it's happened. Yeah. Well, famous in the book. Yeah, that may, that actually is a good recommendation. Because yeah, I I agree. <laughs> it's a very focused, like, part of his life. Yeah. And Jason Siegel does plays him to so perfection. good. Yeah. He disappears he disappears really into good. it. Completely disappears. Um, I forgot you forget that you're watching. Yeah. Like you just, this is not the real guy. After like twenty minutes, it's crazy. Cool. Well, that brings us to what we're going to be watching next week, Michelle. It's your turn to pick. So we're gonna watch the, I think it's Menau, is the silent version of Nosferatu, and the Werner Herzog version, mm. so that I can have even more claim to say this new one is not needed. Yep. Cool. Well, that brings us to the end of this week's episode. I don't know why I said something. <laughs> why did you? Um, I don't know why, just <laughs> lost for words. Uh, watch Nosferatu, both of them, and we'll keep it keep it real, and we'll see you next week. Bye-bye. Bye. The Seventh Reel is hosted by Arvin Fong, Michelle Hassel, and Yusuf El-Bashir. Logo by Joe Conti. Our ad break music is composed by Yusuf Sui Lim, and our outro music is composed by Yahya El-Bashir. Thanks for listening.